Take your Bibles now and turn to Revelation 22, and we are going to spend the next two weeks in Revelation, which will lead us then to December 6th. Okay, I don't know where we're going to be with our freeze and mandate. I am planning, though, December 6th service back here at South Beach Church the first Sunday of December, and we're going to be taking communion together. So we're going to have 100 or less phase two. I'm just kind of hoping that's where we're going to be. So plan on that. By the next two weeks, we'll be in uh, online service only. We're going to finish the book of Revelation, and then we're going to see what happens on December 6th. It's going to be awesome. So right now, take your Bibles, and let's read a few verses and see what God shares with us today. We're going to go about through the first seven verses today. And it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street and on the other side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. You could be a Fruit of the Month Club member in heaven if you want. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there was no more curse, but the throne of God, and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Verse 7 in the final verse today. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Father, in Jesus' name, now as we study these seven verses out of Revelation 22, would it be just enough manna for the day, just enough light for our path, just enough energy and wealth for us and to share with those we love? Would it be healing, Lord, for our bones and for our bodies? Would it be the energy we need? Would it be the message that would save masses? We thank you, Lord, for all you've done and all you're going to do. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one question that I ask myself often is, what do you expect heaven to be like? There are two whole chapters, Revelation 21 and 22, dedicated to describing and detailing heaven. Oftentimes we wonder, what is heaven going to be like? What's it, what's it going to feel like? What's it going to be like as we enjoy it with one another? And we really don't have all the details, and we do have some expectations. My pastor taught me a saying years and years ago. He said, expectations are simply premeditated disappointments. Have you ever expected something? I just, man, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. And you get that new iPhone 12, which I don't have an iPhone 12, but I will one day. But you get that new thing. Ah, oh, man, it's just not, not, maybe the next one, maybe the next one. And here on earth, man, no matter what you get, no matter how much of what you get, it's never enough. Now, the expectations far underwhelm us based on our actual experience here on earth. Let me say something about heaven, though, okay? Your expectations of heaven, I hope it's this, I hope it's that. I hope we're going to get that. Your expectations on earth, okay, will be far under what you're actually going to experience when you get to heaven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has conceived the things that God has in store for those who love Him. We can't even imagine it. And yet when you spend some time, man, we get our expectations all messed up. My uh, son Noah in the back there, he turns 13 on Tuesday. And uh, we celebrated his birthday. I took him camping on Friday night. Uh, don't camp in November, okay? Just to kind of write that down in your notes. It's just a bad idea. But we did it anyways, man. We, we did it and we survived. We got the story. We'll tell the story later. But, but I remember his birthday when he turned three. We actually lived right down the road at some condos down at the end here on 35th Street. And it was his third birthday. And man, we piped, we pumped it up. And it was a Thomas the Train theme party, man. We had these little cake pops we made and Thomas the Train stuff everywhere. I'll never forget it because he was so excited about his Thomas the Train birthday party that we were there at the house and Eddie and Katie Towns were there and my parents were there and we were just there and Noah at one point just started looking out the window and kind of just rocking his foot back and forth nervously three years old and finally he just blankly said I'm ready to go to my party and I remember Eddie and I looked at him we're like this is your party he said no I'm ready to go to my party I'm ready to, I mean, the party wasn't what he expected, you know. He expected Thomas the Train to be there. I was like, man, we got cake pops, and your mom made these. She, Etsy, she bought these on Etsy, you know. And, and I just remember Eddie and I looking at each other, go, oh, man, this kid's going to have a rough life, you know. <laughs> I'm ready to go to my party, you know. And, and sometimes our expectations, man. So we're going to study heaven today. We're going to look at it. And I want you guys to enjoy 
the depth of God's Word and the anointing and the illumination of the Holy Spirit, as you imagine what heaven's going to be like, what's it going to be like, Lord? And let's just put it on this backdrop compared to planet Earth. Have you guys had any good experiences in planet Earth? Has anything ever been amazing? Do you, you, you have those stories in your life you just tell over and over and over? You told them a thousand times, and every time the people you're telling them to, they've heard them a thousand times, but they want to hear it again because it was so good. And there's been such good experiences on planet Earth, and there's been relationships and things we've done and had. And listen, all of that has been in the backdrop and in the framework of a cursed world. This world doesn't even work right. It's not functioning at full optimum potential. And yet we have had great experiences and relationships and things that we've had in our lives. And all of that is just a mere token, a, a sample, if you would, of things to come. I do talk to people from time to time. They wonder, man, I just hope, I'm, hope it's not worse than earth. I'm like, what book did you read? What in the world are you thinking, man? It is going to be so much better than, than earth. And as we study this out, I want you to use your imagination. I want you to enjoy. I want you to worship. Because God has things planned for us that we're going to enjoy forever and ever. As a matter of fact, the book of Revelation has been around for about 2,000 years, offering that hope and comfort and direction and identity to the church. Because check this out. If you know, I'm going to say this, I'm gonna, I wrote it down so I don't get it wrong. If you know who you are, you'll know what to do. If you know where we're going, you'll know how to live. And if you know the message along the way, you'll know how to lead. And so as the book of Revelation is given to us to reveal Jesus Christ and the future and God's plan, we know who we are, we know where we're going, and we know the message. Therefore, we can live and we can do and we can lead accurately the things of God. So look again at verse 1. It says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Stop right there. Eyes up here. I like how he describes this angel. He's still on this VIP backstage tour of heaven. And he says this angel continued to show him stuff. You know what this speaks to me is that God loves to reveal. God loves to show off. He wants to show you and I what he's doing, where he's going, and how we're going to get there. Sometimes in life, we think we're in the dark and we don't know what's happening and God's hiding stuff from us. And while not everything has been revealed, I want you to understand God's heart is to tell you the things you need to know. Here's the real question. Are you asking him? Are you seeking him? Do you want to know? Oftentimes people will tell me, I haven't heard God speak to me in forever. I'm like, well, how are you listening to him? Well, I listen to you, Pastor Luke, you know. Listen to you. Listen. No, no. You got to get. Go seek the Lord, and I promise you, He will show you exactly what you need to see. It says, And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. First thing He sees here in chapter 22, we've seen chapter 21, the same angels giving Him a tour. Now, not the outside of the city, but the inside. And I want you guys to understand the concepts here, because the kingdom of God is described just as that. It's a kingdom. And it's this big kingdom of God. But it's not just a kingdom, it's a city of God, the New Jerusalem. But now it's not just a city. Now we're getting into like the inner workings. It's a garden. There's trees and there's rivers. And I don't know if you like gardens or cities or kingdoms more, which one you identify with, but they're all there. And as we think about heaven, it's not only going to be massive and expansive, it's also going to be finite and small. We've got some gardeners here, gardeners watching at home and people who love the outdoors. And here, this redemption. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 describe the Garden of Eden. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 describe the garden in the new heaven and the new earth. And I think it's amazing, this grand meta-narrative, that the garden was created for one reason, that man might dwell with God and have fellowship with each other and subdue and steward and populate the new garden that he had just created. And it's going to be so fun. And man, they, they blew it. And then we live this life and God has redeemed us. And he says, okay, we're going to do it again. But this time it's going to be redeemed through my Son. Notice it says here that the river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. There's this water of life. It's clear as crystal. It's revealing. It's pure. It's refreshing. Heaven, if you're going to write this down, it's going to be revealing. Okay, you're going to know all things, and it's going to be refreshing. You're going to be completely satisfied. In planet Earth right now, things aren't clear, and man, we're seldom fully refreshed. And once we've been refreshed, we need to be refreshed again. In heaven, this flowing water is going to come right from the throne of God all the time. And it reminds me of Jesus. Jesus spoke of himself as this flowing water multiple times. One time at that wellspring in John chapter 4 with the woman, he revealed himself as the water of life. And if you drink from this water of this world, you're going to just thirst again. But if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. 
But Jesus in John 7, write this down and read it later, Jesus was at the Feast of Tabernacles one day. And the Feast of Tabernacles would be a seven-day period where they would commemorate God's faithfulness in the wilderness wanderings, and they would build these little tabernacles and these booths, and they would hang out, and every day they would go up the temple steps, and they would pour out water, and the water would flow down the temple steps. And on the seventh day, they would do this, and they would kind of increase the water that they would pour down in order to celebrate God's faithfulness in the wilderness. And Jesus, at that point, stood up. There was a moment of silence. Jesus stood up, and this is what he said in that moment. He said, he, believe, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he sat down. Can you imagine that? As they're pouring this water. These are Jews celebrating Jewish customs, and Jesus was a Jew. And all of a sudden, loud and proud, bold and clear, he who believes in me, out of him will have torrents of living water flowing out of him. Reminds me of that song we used to sing back in the day. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison's doors, sets those captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well. Within my soul, spring up a well. And make me whole, spring up a well. And give to me that life abundantly. Again! Just kidding. I won't be doing that at the 11 a.m. service because we're going to rebroadcast this service. But I love that song. I can't sing very well. You know that now, and it's proven it to be true. Sorry about that. But when you come to Jesus, I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison's doors and sets those captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well. Isn't that so rad? And as I look at my own life, I am all those things. I'm a captive, blind, lame, and yet Jesus has changed my life. He's the river of life. When we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, we're going to celebrate that. It'll be refreshing. It'll be revealing. It'll be clear. And it flows from the throne of God. Can you imagine just the headwaters are right there, God's presence. And let me say this to you who are stuck here on planet Earth with me. This will be ours to enjoy. I believe there will be some whitewater rafting going on. I'm going to kayak down that sucker. I don't know about you guys. Like, join me if you want. Like, we're going we're to go rafting. Okay? But did you know that if you need refreshment right now, if you need revelation right now, you can go to the throne room of God right now? Jesus said that. He stood up. He wasn't just talking about 2,000 years later. He who believes in me out of the scripture, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Next time you're in the dark or need refreshment, man, just, just tuck it away. Go to the Lord. Lord, I'm dry again. Lord, I'm parched again. Lord, I'm needy again. I feel like I'm walking through the wilderness and, and, and I need water out of the rock. And all this speaks of not only eternity and what it will be like, but what it could be like and can be like for you and me right now. So much of our troubles are because we lean on our own understanding and we fail to acknowledge the Lord in, in our difficulties and our dryness. And I want to be that Christian that humbles myself right away and says, let's, just, let's pray. Let's go to the throne. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Now therefore, come boldly into the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and help in your time of need. Come boldly to the throne room of grace. This is where it's just flowing from. Yet I find myself pridefully, obstinately, wrongly just walking through life thirsty so many times. Look at verse 2. It says, In the middle of its street... And on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were the healing for the healing of the nation. Stop right there, Isaiah. I read this like seven or eight times. It, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, it says that there's a, a street and, and, and a river, and on either side of the river, there's a tree on either side of the river. I mean, this is like either a big tree or a messed up river, or there's just things that we can't understand. I don't know where the, if there's one tree or 12 trees with 12 different fruits, or man, I don't know what's going on, but it's going to be legit. And John says that this tree with the street and the river bears 12 fruits, each fruit for each month of the season. 
Have you ever seen those trees that bear multiple fruits? You guys ever seen this before? There's apples that bear multiple species of apples. And I heard of a citrus tree one time that had lemons, oranges, and grapefruits all coming from one tree, you know, do this, you know, all this weird science stuff going on. I don't know what this is gonna be, but I do know this. Some people ask me, Luke, are we gonna eat in heaven? And I always respond, I am. You know, you pick your path, man. You do whatever you want. I'm a for real eat, man. It's going to be legit. And there's eating and feasting in heaven. It's going to be awesome. And here we have 12 different fruits coming from the same tree. Each speak, I just think this speaks of so many things. It speaks of the abundance and the variety and, and the creativity of God. Heaven is going to be so far better than earth. We don't recognize this, man. We've read too many far side comics. Remember the far side comic with the guy sitting on the cloud? He's in heaven now and he's looking around. He says, bummer. Should have brought a magazine, you know, he's in heaven. That's not what heaven's gonna be like, man. Matter of fact, uh, my wife's dad, Rick, and uh, his wife, Kathy, they subscribed us to the Fruit of the Month Club from Harry and David's down in Medford, Oregon. And so every month they're about, or even more often, we get these boxes that come to our door. And it's, it's the fruits, you know, they're well-grown. We never know what we're gonna get. It's pears and plums and strawberries and apples and pineapples, man, watermelon, all this crazy stuff. And heaven's gonna be legit, and there's gonna be all these things that God is gonna provide for you and for me. So I'm gonna be eating there, there's gonna be some pies, some fruit pies and apple pies and all that stuff's gonna be happening. It says in the middle of the street, verse two, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. Now let's talk about a few things that are identified here. Number one, this tree of life. There's a couple significant trees in the scriptures. The first tree is in the garden. This tree of life was there. Apparently, Adam and Eve never ate of it. There was another tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And instead of eating from the tree of life, which would give you eternal life, Adam and Eve ate and chose wrongly, and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was direct disobedience, and it caused them to be escorted out of the garden. They were kicked out of fellowship with God. That was the curse. The curse began. The first part of the curse that made it a curse was being separated from God. Then God gave them the ramifications of the curse. It's gonna be hard to make a living. It's gonna be hard to be in a relationship. It's gonna be hard to raise kids. Man, it's gonna be difficult. Everything's gonna be cursed. And yet another tree comes into the story. And it's the tree of Calvary, where Jesus Christ was cursed. Cursed is the man who hangs upon a tree, the psalmist says. And Jesus was pinned to a tree, cursed for my sins and for your sins that upon that tree he might pay for the penalty of mankind and bear the wrath of God and offer forgiveness and salvation to anybody. That way we can go to heaven and experience life from the tree of life. These three trees, these trees correlate this story. And this is what heaven is going to have is this tree of life, which has 12 fruits, each one yielding its fruit every month. It says every month. How many of you guys think that heaven won't have time? Okay, just raise your hand. I mean, it says month right there, so you think it's a trick question? Deb, okay, and Judy, I don't know. I don't think it's gonna have time in the way that we know it. See, time is a pressure source, isn't it? Man, I just, and I got no time. The timer's going in the back there, and tomorrow's Monday, and there's time. And have you ever been late to something? You ever been late? Ah, oh, man, I didn't manage my time well. And there's just all this pressure. I believe there will be seasons and times in heaven, because it says it right here, there'll be months, but it won't have the same pressure constraints as we do right now. It's almost like when you come across a, a, a retired person that retired well. You ever met a retired person that retired well? They don't even know what day it is. You know what I'm saying? Like they have to ask them, what day is it? I'm not, I don't care what day it is because it doesn't matter. There's a different level of life. It just Every day is just an enjoyment. And I don't believe we're going to be late. We're not going to have time constraints and deadlines. But there will be seasons because God creates the seasons. And there will be time in a way that is, I believe, redeemed. It also says here, interestingly, that the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, if you read this quickly, you might think, well, is there gonna be sadness and sickness in heaven that needs to be healed by these trees? And I don't think that's, that's a, it's a myopic, um, finite way of uh, quantifying heaven because we know pain and suffering and, and healing. This word healing literally means therapy. These leaves will be for the therapy of the nations. That's where we get our word therapeutic. And what it means is that these leaves will be what keeps us healthy, not that we wouldn't be healthy without them, but that God's intention for heaven is that we're constantly stimulated, constantly alleviated, constantly cared for. Most of us go see therapy or a therapist when we're damaged and broken. But the reality is you can get a massage before you're super broken. You can get therapy, you can get stretching, you can get all kinds of things in heaven. 
these trees will just be for our sustenance and for our joy. No Advil, no back pain, no disease, no difficulty, constant peace and therapy, constant grace every month. Hey, what month is it next month? I don't know. We're going to get some new fruit. It's going to be legit. You know, I'll be out kayaking in the river right now. Going for it. Guys, it's going to be ecstasy and perfection and no pain. This is God's heart for us. Isn't that going to be awesome? Especially now. I mean, we're all just, it's so messed up. And I've, I've escaped trauma. Have you guys, are you guys surprised you're even alive? Anybody here like escaped death a couple times? I was just praying for Zach with my kids this morning and talking about the surf accident that wasn't, wasn't really his fault. He was just out surfing. I've been surfing. We've all been surfing probably, you know. Next thing you know, you just, what, what happened? And I've wrecked on my bike. I've wrecked in cars. Man, I've told with cars. I've, I've wrecked so many times. And, and this world is dangerous. And in heaven, there's, it, oh, it's not going to be the case. No difficulty. No curse. Healing of the nations. You imagine John's, it's fun for us to read this, but we're, we got, you know, Medicare, and we got, you know, Life Flight, we got some, we're, we're doing okay, you know, God forbid, worst case scenario, we got the paddles, we got the EpiPens, we got, you know, figured out. <laughs> Can you imagine John hearing this? Imagine John in 70 AD, he's locked up, like the average lifespan's like seven, you know, I mean, people are dying, like, life's hard, man, you don't know doctors. He's like, oh, there's going to be a tree, and it's going to be the healing for the nations. It's going to be pure and refreshing. It's going to be so good, man. No, no curse. The curse isn't there, bro. And John would have held dear to that, and John would have been so, oh, man, can I, can I share this with the church? And the church has been hanging on to this, and, and we're so grateful for modern technology. It's only been around the way we know it for a couple hundred years, but this hope of heaven. Let's just trip out just a little bit on the last uh, word in verse 2. It says it'll be for the healing of the nations. This is, I think, important, especially for us myopic, kind of egocentric Americans. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven. There's actually a lot of people on earth right now. I've traveled the earth a little bit, just a little bit. I've been to Mexico seven or eight times, and been to Peru once, and Honduras three times. And My wife and I went to Fiji for 10 days and served over there in the Singatoga River. And we, I've been around a little bit. I've been to Israel twice, and Lebanon once. And, and even in doing that, I got to go to some airports, you know, some like famous airports. I was, you know, in France, you know, bought a cappuccino in France. Airport's horrible. I want my money back. They wouldn't even take my American money. It was so crazy. I had a $20 bill. Like, oh, we don't want that. I was like, it's an American 20. She's like, yeah, we know. You know, I don't even, you know. And I've been to Germany. I've been to Switzerland in the airport. I've even been to Miami before. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Miami airport, man. It's pretty intense. It's all humid in there. And, and yet, the world is so big, and the nations are going to be there. And I think it's important as, as Americans, maybe just for me, that we just humble ourselves. Traveling the world, just knowing how big the world is, is such a benefit, such a blessing, because it helps you to appreciate people more than you probably already do, and to be more humble. Heaven's going to have everybody there, and the nations will be healed. Look at verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. But, or if you want to put a different word in there, instead, the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. I'm going to read it that way, just for fun. And there shall be no more curse there. Instead, the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And His servants shall serve Him. Okay, two great realities to expect in heaven. No more curse and full access to God's presence. Can you imagine it? One of those, just one of those would be amazing. Just one. Full access to God's presence, but it's all jacked up everywhere else. That's actually planet Earth right there. Or can you imagine? No curse, no problems, no difficulty, but God's not there. What if you had both? What if you had full access to God? Just walk right up to the very presence of God. I was studying the, uh, Luke chapter 1 the other day because the Christmas story is coming up and and, and, and Gabriel, the messenger angel, he, he comes to Zacharias and he tells Zacharias that his wife's about to have a kid. And he, and he questions the angel. Gabriel's like, well, I'm not sure, you know. Have you seen how old my wife is? 
I'm pretty old too, like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he just kind of has some good questions. And Gabriel's answer, he's the messenger angel, he's a nice guy. He's a, he's a secretary, you know, he's not Michael. Michael's this war angel, can cut your head off. And Gabriel looks at Zacharias and he's like, I stand in the very presence of God. Do you doubt my message? And I just thought about that. Who can say that? Who can just go in the very presence of God? You know, you've read the scriptures, man. Moses wanted to see God, and, and we want to see God. He's like, no, you, you can't handle it. You'll, you'll literally melt. It'll be that scene from the, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark when they opened up the, you know, <laughs> you know that's real. That's, stuff, that's, that's real, man. <laughs> you can't see me until you get to heaven. And then there'll be two things simultaneously. No curse. No curse. No sadness. No sickness. No surgeries. No depression, no death, no divorce, no trauma, no separation, no abuse, no sin, no failure. The curse, the curse is so real, and the curse is curse. Have you ever tried something and even tried your best and even felt that like God was leading you into it? Maybe it was a marriage or a business idea or, or an adventure or something. You say, I, I just I sense the Lord's in this, and then all of a sudden you realize it's cursed not in any weird way it just it just man it just ah. you know why because because it, it is it's a crazy dilemma we're in we're supposed to have relationships and do things and take risks and yet it's never going to satisfy us it's never actually going to work the way it's intended to because it's actually cursed because God's a man of his word. He said, oh yeah, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day that death, everything died, this world. Whenever it hurts, whenever it fails, whenever it falls apart, I, I, at this point in my life, I'm actually not surprised. Used to get surprised more and more. Oh, I thought we prayed about it. I thought it was the Lord's will. I thought I heard his voice. Yeah, you, you did, all that. It's difficult. Narrow and difficult is the way. Very few people find it. And yet heaven says, oh, I'm going to read it to you just slowly. What's heaven going to be like? What's your expectations? What's, what's it really going to be? And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. This makes everything that you're dealing with right now doable. Don't be so surprised the difficulty of relationships horizontally. Why is this, man, why? I've been, been married 20 years, I've been married 30 years, I've been married, <laughs> I think we have some of this figured out by now. Maybe your marriage is cursed. <gasps> How dare you? No, it's, you're, it's cursed, sorry, you know. It's just the way it is, everything's cursed. Not this thing, <laughs> okay, good luck with that. And it'll change the way you deal with it. Man, I feel tired, I feel overwhelmed, I feel anxious, I feel all these things. Like, yeah, you're probably, Alive. <laughs> You're probably human. Cool. This world's cursed. And yet, listen, God affords to us in the curse right now his presence. I already quoted it to you once. I'll quote it again. Hebrews 4, 16. Therefore, come boldly into the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and help in your time of need. See, right now we have to go through a few disciplines to access God's throne room. We have to humble ourselves. We have to pray. We have to call upon him. We have to, we have to believe. You got to do something. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to the Lord and he'll draw near to you. You got to draw near. In heaven, no curse, full access to God in his presence simultaneously. We can't even imagine it. Again, you go back to the Holy Grail. You just explode. It's too much. It's too much. Remember when Moses was being led by God in the wilderness and they finally got to the edge of the promised land and the people of Israel were having a bad day and, and so God gave Moses an option. He said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna let you guys in a little early. Here's the, here's the catch though, I'm not going with you. You'll have everything. You'll have the promised land, but I won't be there. And Moses said, I don't want it if I don't have you. No. It was a test, I believe, for Moses' heart. And in this world, even though they had to walk further into the wilderness, 
God promised to be with them. In heaven, the curse will be removed. Full access to God will be granted. It says something else in verse 3. I want you guys to see this. This is imperative. And his servants shall serve him. So it says at the very end. No curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be there. And his servants shall serve him. Now, this idea of service to the Lord now and forever is repeated throughout the scriptures. Let me say it the simplest. What you do now matters for what we'll do then. It's so important that you serve, serve, serve now. One way, shape, or another. My motto, you guys know it, is show up early, stay late, and say yes to everything. Okay? To be both a benefit now on earth, but to also then have an eternity and a job description in heaven that will be amazing. Here's the problem, though. We are selfish and lazy. And we tend to think about serving him or what the eternity is going to look like. And have you ever had a bad job before? You ever had a bad employer or a bad job or, you know, you ever just had a bad, bad situation? Listen, in heaven, we're going to be serving him. It's not going to be a bad employer, not going to be a bad job, not going to be a bad situation. It is going to be legit. The Bible says in the Psalms, better to serve him or be with him for just a couple days than anywhere else. Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I don't want to be a doorkeeper. I just want to open the door for people in and out. That's all I want to do. And yet what you do down here, this is go time. This is why I have to encourage myself and my staff and my kids and my friends. Listen, serve, 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 because you're going to be given 10 minus or five or one. And what you do now will determine what you do there. Some people read this. Oh, I don't want to be a servant of the Lord. It's like, well, then you don't know the Lord. You know what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, serving the Lord, there's no greater thing. There's no, I was talking with Pastor Ryan up here right before the service began. And we've been working hard. We've been remodeling the offices now for about a month and and we've been grinding hard on services for covid for the last eight months or nine months it's just been hard and and exhaustion sets in because we're just dudes we're just normal people man and, and yet there's this this reality of i'm never going to quit because it's for the lord as sinful as i am as messed up as i am as selfish as i am as hard as it is i'm not going to stop i'm not going to stop we're exhorting each other encouraging each other just to keep going man you need a break you need time off you need you need, you need to throttle down and to find a different gear occasionally because we're broken, we're cursed. But serving the Lord, there's nothing better than serving the Lord. And I would actually challenge you in this way. If you're bored or your life's boring, it's probably because you're not engaged in serving the Lord. Find some way to volunteer, some way to get active. It, it, it starts at home. It starts at home. When the children of Israel, when the disciples were anointed by Jesus to be witnesses, they started in Jerusalem. That is their home base. It's closest to home, wherever you're, you're Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the world. Just take a first spin right now. Serve him right now. Don't, don't wait to get to heaven to serve him. It says we're going to be doing that. Look at verse 4. It says, and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Guys, it says it a few different ways. He's gonna, the throne's gonna be there. The river of water's coming from his throne. We're gonna have full access to his throne. Oh, you're gonna see his face. Like this would be like, what? You can't see his face. We can't, we're gonna see his face. You know, it's like, it's, it's reiterated because it's so mind blowing. And it's, a, it's a, the joy and the hope and it's going to happen. And not only will we see his face, but his name shall be on their foreheads. <sighs> you see, in his presence is fullness of joy. The only place we find complete satisfaction is with him. And this is what heaven is going to be like. David said that in Psalm 16 and Psalm 17. Psalm 16, in the very last verse, he said, In his presence is fullness of joy, and in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Can't wait to be there. Psalm 17, the next psalm at the very end, he says, I will waken with him and be satisfied eventually. Your full satisfaction is going to be with God when you see him face to face. Look at what it says in verse 4. Let's just let's trip out on this for a second because this, this might change everything for you. I know it's been changing me. It says that his name shall be on their foreheads. Can you imagine walking around? There's God. You see him. And then you see everyone else, and somehow, some way, we're all going to have Jesus tattooed on our foreheads. That's what it says. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, or you know, maybe it's going to be some other. I don't know what it's going to be like. His name, right, right now, actually, his image is tattooed on you. You are made, every man, every woman, in his image. You bear the likeness of God. 
I don't think it'll be as simplistic as, you know, a tattoo gun on your forehead. It may be, I don't know, it doesn't matter because when we get to heaven, it's going to be whatever is going to be there is going to be right. But here's what it's going to do for you and me. When you see a brother or a sister in heaven, you're going to know whose they are, and they're going to know who they are. You see, identity and ownership determine what we do and how we think. Who I am, I'm Jesus's. Who, whose am I? I'm Jesus's. It's not just who I am, but it's whose I am. And this is both now, but I don't see Jesus on your forehead as clearly as maybe the Lord does. See, the Lord made you, the Lord made you in his image. The Lord also made the people outside that don't go to church. He made them in his image. And I don't tend to see everyone with a big old fat Jesus name tag on their forehead. Do you? Let me rebuke us in that. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, I do not look at anybody according to the flesh anymore. I don't do it. He went on to say, I choose to look at people according to the Spirit. This will change your whole life. See, we look at people according to the flesh, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And I size you up. And if I approve, then I can have a good relationship with you. If I disapprove, well, I'm going to put you over here in this category of inferior or less than. I'm just going to, you know, you're kind of all messed up. And the Lord says, don't look at the flesh. Look at the spirit. This will change everything. If you choose, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's just, let's, 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 let's get this, let's get this one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If I'm pure in heart toward you, if I truly am, if I want to be, I'm going to see God in you. And it's going to change our relationship. I'm going to be so set free of my, 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 my wounds and my, my criticisms. How many of you guys are really good at being pure in heart, though? You know, trying to raise my hand. Let me, let me, let me take a, little, a liberty real quick. Out of Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's switch it. Let's just switch it real quick. Blessed are those who see God, for they shall be pure in heart. If I choose to honor you in the spirit and see God in you, my heart will be so purified toward you. All of your sin, all of your mistakes, all the sharp edges that still remain in you, if I, if I, blessed are those who see God, for they shall be pure in heart. This will change everything. I've actually, the Lord, in meditating on this, brought to mind a few people that I'm choosing not to see the Lord in them. I don't want to. I don't want to see the Lord in that person. And my heart is not pure. And it's just the fruit. It's the fruit of a poisoned heart. And the Lord's challenging me said, look, what if you, what if you choose to see God in them and your heart becomes pure. Because when you get to heaven, that's how it's gonna be. There are people right now, Christians, brothers and sisters, that you're kind of mad at, you're fed up with, you're offended by, okay? Because life's a curse and you've been hurt. And they let you down or you let them down and you're too stubborn to apologize or whatever. And when you get to heaven, all that's gone. It's gonna be washed away in the pure river of life. It's going to be healed by the trees and the leaves and the fruit and God's presence. No more curse. We're all going to be serving Him. You're going to see people and you're not going to be like, hey, remember that one time? I just want to kind of clear that up right now. <laughs> it's going to be cleared up already. Wouldn't it be radical? You want to take Christianity for a spin and be the richest person in the world? Choose to see people with the name Jesus on them. This is up to you. It's up to me. It's just, it's gonna, it'll change everything if you do it. Even the people you don't like. Especially the people you don't like. It is also interesting that you can't see your own name. If it's written on your forehead. You ever seen your forehead before? <laughs> no matter how hard you try, you can't do it. And see, here's the problem. Most of us are really into our own Jesus, you know? Man, did you see how, how Jesus-y I am? Did you see it? We're, we're really preoccupied with our own level of Christianity and spiritual, you know, depth. And we're usually defensive of it or prideful over it or, you know, this or that. And in heaven, you, you don't even see yourself. You just see others. 
Naturally, I'm a critical person. I learned it from my dad. Thank you, Joe. And I think God made me a leader, and a leader has to have an awareness of situations, and, and there's a redemption of being able to discern, okay, this is, this, you know, leadership. But that critical spirit can just easily distance myself from others. Just get in the way. Unless I choose to see Jesus in you. And don't, don't recognize the flesh like Paul said. Just recognize, 2 Corinthians 5, read it. This is what heaven's going to be like. Why wait? Verse 5, there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Two things are detailed here. One, we've talked about that reigning forever and ever. The second is what we saw last week. There's just going to be no, light, no lamps, no lights, no sun, no sunburns, full illuminescence from this throne. It's just going to be perfect. Noah and I, we went camping at Mike Warren's property the other night, man. It got dark and it got cold. And I looked at him and I looked at me. I was like, dude, it's, we just got to make it to the sunrise, man. We got to get through this night. And as we were laying there in the tent, you know, the tent's flap, you know, I was thinking, is that, a, is that the tent flapping or is that a bear sniffing me? You know, what's going to, you know, how, how's this going to end? It's nighttime, man. Nighttime's scary. It's scary. We love lights and we love security. We love all this stuff that protect us. And in heaven, there's no fear. No darkness. Again, we, we protect ourselves pretty well from all this. But in John's day, man, when the night would go down, it's dangerous. Bandits and robbers and bad guys and stuff. It says again that they shall reign forever and ever. Would you just exhort yourself and encourage yourself to be a good man, to be a good woman by the grace of God, to be one who serves, who disciplines yourself to do two things, to do things for the Lord and to abstain from doing things for the world. It's a fight both in. I want to do stuff. I want to be aggressive. I want to be, I want to take risks. I want to go for it. And I also want to say no to my flesh. Why? Because everything I do here counts for eternity. It's not just now, but this is going to pay it forward forever. And my reigning and my ruling for him is going to be established by the things I do on earth right now. Two more verses and we're done. It says, then he said to me, verse six, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. There's four things identified here. And I think maybe you would ask yourself this question. Man, this sounds too good to be true. Or it's just, I, got, I, don't, I got questions. And so the angel looking at John comes over and says, hey, these words are faithful and true. It really is going to happen. We have some shirts over here that say Jesus is real. Jesus saves. Jesus changes everything. Okay, because it's, it's, it's a such a simple message. But do you not need to be reminded of this? This is real. This is actually going to happen. <laughs> take it to the bank. I go to the hospital. I go to homes. I go to places where people are dying. And I walk in with confidence. And I bring a little jar of oil. And I'll hold people's hands. And I'll look them in the eye. So you're going to die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God and that he was raised from the dead. You are saved. Have you done this? And with confidence, able to lead people to death. I've been in hospital rooms praying for people to die. Lord, would you take them now? And they died. Because it was time. I'm not afraid of death. We're so afraid of death. We're so afraid of illness. We're so afraid. Careful. I don't want to suffer, but even in suffering, even in suffering, the Lord prevails. This world is cursed. We're not, I'm so glad we're not staying here. As they increase the lifespan and the quality of life, I'm so glad that we're still capped right around 100. Like 100 is like, man, next level, like bonus round. Like, like what are you doing, you know? I'm so glad. It's real. It's true. We have nothing to fear. And as you get older, you folks who are there, you've seen this. It's just, man, decades upon decades, and it starts to go fast. How'd you get here? How did we get here? When did we become old? Why are they asking me at JC Market if I get the senior discount? What's going on? Is this a prank? I really don't look that up. Do I? You know? 
And tell you that, the lady asked me if I wanted a senior discount the other day at Jason Market. I was like, I want to talk to your manager. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Verse 6. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets. Guys, throughout the scriptures, this has been the story. The holy prophets. The same story. When you figure that out, that the Old Testament and the New Testament are one grand meta-narrative, one overarching story of the redemption of God. And you see his faithfulness throughout. Not only is, is it true because this angel said, but you've seen the scriptures and the holy prophets. And this angel was sent. And he showed his servants, listen, the things which must take place shortly or shortly take place. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago, and if you're just a little bit honest, you think, well, he wrote that 2,000 years ago. What's, which part of shortly is 2,000 years? It's a good question. The Bible says that with the Lord, a day is as a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is as a day. It's not necessarily a mathematical, quantifiable term, like just whatever it says, a 1,000, it means that's not. Time doesn't exist in God's economy like it does in ours. We know for a fact that God has waited this long because he wills that none should perish. He's not slack in his promises, as some count slackness, but he wants heaven populated well. And that's why he's waiting. I would have wrapped this whole sucker up a long time ago. There's people right this week that will get saved. There's people this week that the Holy Spirit will lead them to Jesus Christ. A thousand years as a day, a day is a thousand years. Jesus was in the tomb for three days, but it was early on the third day that he rose from the dead. Early on the third day. It's been 2,000 years now. Two days have passed. We're at the beginning of the third day. It's only been three days. How do you look at it? And whether we're talking the eternity of humanity, it's kind of a big idea, or the eternity and the lifespan of you personally. Is it not taking place shortly? We're nearer today than we've ever been. God knows what he's doing. Verse 7, final thought of the day, and we're done. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. At the beginning of the book of Revelation, it says that there is a blessing for those who read, hear, and keep the words of this prophecy. Read it, hear it, keep it. To keep it could accidentally make you think perfection. Did you keep the law? Did you keep your promise? Did you keep that appointment? Ah, no, I blew it. I blew it. I didn't do it. That's not what it means when it says, blessed are those who keep the words of this prophecy. It doesn't mean that, okay? Thank God, because I've not been perfect in my keeping. What it literally means is those who keep the prophecy near to their hearts, those who keep the promises of God near to their lives, blessed are those ones. You want to be blessed? Then keep and protect the promises of God. No matter what the world says, no matter what the world throws at you, no matter what you say, no matter what you throw at the Lord, no matter who fails you or how you fail us, the one thing we hold near and dear to our hearts is the prophecy and the promises of God. That person will be blessed through thick and through thin. Behold, I'm coming quickly. It's the blessed hope of his return. And you who have been studying prophecy and you who've been looking at world events and you who know these things, look around and say, oh Lord, it's never been closer, both chronologically, that's easy, it's never been closer with biblical prophecy and fulfillment. We saw in the book of Revelation that there was a bowl of God's wrath that one day will be full. It's, it's reached its capacity. There's no more. Not based on time, but based on activity. And the world around us is so dark and so godless and so twisted that there's no other right choice except for the Lord to say, it's enough. Max capacity. 
The cries of the people have reached my ear, God said about Sodom and Gomorrah. It's too much. When will this happen? I don't know, but I want to be faithful until then. Right now, the South Beach Church is making efforts to open up an office across town so we can do more, not less. There's restrictions, there's mandates, there's, there's chaos, there's fear, there's, there's things. There's a lot, of, a lot of less is going on, isn't it, right? There's kind of less. There's less, less, less. Okay, be careful. I get it. Find a way. Find a way to do more. Find a way to do more. Invest eternally. Lead courageously. Accept responsibility. Reject passivity. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Lord, would you help us to keep it? Just keep it. Keep it special. Keep it near. Keep it dear. Keep it special. Would you help us, Lord, in all our efforts, all of our relationships? Lord, I pray an anointing and a conviction upon the church of God right now to know exactly how this looks. To not overreact in pride or in fighting or dividing or debating. I don't think that that's bearing fruit. But instead, to see Jesus, to see it in others, to see it in ourselves, to be pure in heart, to be servants, to be those who go to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy and help in our time of need. Make us the church, we pray. Forgive us of our sins. Even now, if you need forgiveness, you're at home watching, you need to be saved. Would you invite Jesus into your heart to say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. You will be saved. Jesus, take my life. Jesus, use me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, be my king. Say these prayers and the Lord God himself will move into your life and he will take your sins to the cross of Calvary. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. He'll lead you into everlasting. Lord, would you do that for us? May the river of life spring up out of us. Set those captives free make the blind to see. We love you so much. Thank you for all you've done. Bless the events and activities this week, Lord, and all the efforts and energies we do for you. Would you have your way in our lives? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Amen.